Hey, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. Good news, I won't take very long. Uh, bad news, I will take a little bit. Uh, wasn't that great? Hopefully everyone enjoyed just walking and, and meeting people. My contact for the day was Billy. Um, Billy was funny because Billy approached me way more aggressively than I was approaching Billy. Um, and he wanted to know if I still worked uh, at Bovacanti. So somebody, somebody said, somebody said, oh, you still, uh, you, you went to Bovacanti. I see what you did. And, and I said, well, that's my not just Saturday spot. That's where I'm trying to go to. I want to be a normal face there. I want to walk in there and I want the employees to say, hey, pastor, I, I want to be a normal place. Um, and the only way to do that is to be a repeat offender. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. But Billy saw me, spotted me. It was, it was one of those great moments. He's as far back as Brother Tipsworth all the way in the back. And, and uh, he looked, and I looked at him. He was even farther maybe. And he looked, he said, hey. And I thought, okay, you know, what's this about? But then he wanted to know, do I still work? And I said, no. I said, I'm the pastor down the street at Calvary Tabernacle. He said, oh, okay, that's where I've seen you. I don't know that he's been here since I've been here. I trusted it to be a God draw. And we've talked about that a lot, haven't we? Uh, God drawing us together. And so it was funny. I gave him one of the cards, uh, and he said, oh, I've been there before. <laughs> and I said, well, come again. Come and meet us again. And then we begin to talk about uh, the food pantry. And I begin to understand a little bit about where he's at in life. And so I'm going to talk about that, okay? I'm going to talk about that here in a second. I want us to pray again specifically. Um, it is 8, what is it? I don't have my eight 8.30 something. All right, all right. I won't, I won't take about maybe 10, 15 minutes and hopefully have some group exercise. I might take longer than 10. Lord, forgive me if I lied all this off the bat. God, we love you. We're thankful that we get to come together into the house of the Lord. I thank you for all of these incredible people. These are people that believe in you, believe in your plan and your purpose. I'm asking that you'd help us, that you would do your perfect work, that you would guide and guard everything we say, that you'd anoint every man, every woman, every young person, and help us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Help me to speak with wisdom and clarity in a way that can be received. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. Amen. How many recognize that one of the most dangerous things in the church in any area is assumption? It really is. Whether, whether you're dealing with church people or unchurched people, assumption is one of the dang, most dangerous things. Um, Brother Healy, I've seen people that are praying in the altar, and they use assumption, trying to call it discernment, and it's just wrong. <laughs> okay? You do not have to, please understand, I don't want this to be silly. We do not have to over-spiritualize everything. Some stuff's just practical. It's just talk, it's just practical, okay? So if you are a note taker, I see a note taker. If you are a note taker, I want you to write on the first line. You don't even have to put in number one because it's not our topic for today. But it's a, you could even do it in all caps if you want unless you're OCD and you can't do that, okay? Assumption is dangerous. Assumption is dangerous, Okay? It is dangerous that I think I know what a person that I'm encountering needs, whether they are churched or unchurched. And that's the way a lot of our terminology is going to work today, churched or unchurched, not saved or unsaved, because that's offensive to most people. Okay? Uh, for fun, let's warm up. Uh, well, let's start with the text. The, the fields are what? We've heard this, most of us, many times. The fields are white and ready for what? The laborers are few. So I'm just stating that again to prove it's not a knowledge 
It's not a knowledge problem. <laughs> it's not a knowledge issue. And if you look at what's taking place here at Calvary, I will tell you, I have been blessed for a long time to travel uh, to many places, many churches. Number one, this is one of the only churches I've ever been to who calls 745 on Saturday prayer meetings. <clears throat> that's number, that's, no, you hear that nervous laughter? Like, ha, <laughs> But, but at the same time, it's not about the time of day because they also don't have crowds like this that show up. It's a burden issue. It really is. It's not based on time of day. It's a burden issue. So I'm thankful for that to see the amount of people that are here. So to warm up, let's talk about reasons that people do not. It's not a knowledge issue, I guess, is what I was saying. So let's talk about one of the reasons that the average person does not, and we're going to call it evangelize or outreach or really make connections. Why, why is that do you think that the average person does not more effectively evangelize? Lack of belief. <clears throat> okay, maybe lack of belief. Burden. Not, like burden. burden. Oh, burden. Yeah, lack of burden. Okay. Fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. Man, so true. So true. Yeah. Fear. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. Personality. The, one of the number one reasons is, is introverted or or. You know, they're not bold, they're that fear then. If you take an introvert and baptize them in fear, <laughs> it's like, that's a tough combination right there. Anything else? Anybody else? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. You're exactly right. One of the, one of the top reasons outside and after the introverted, the personality and not feeling bold, a lot of times the bold and the introverted go together. Um, and it's funny because even the knowledge things tied together with that. And that's why people are nervous. What if they ask me something I don't have the answer to? Can I tell you, I've ended up in plenty of conversations doing evangelism that I was like, I, I'm quite confident they're smarter than me. You know what? That's okay. You want to know one of the most liberating things in your life is when you come to terms with the fact it's okay for other people to be smarter. It's, it really is. It's liberating. I sat in rooms, uh, okay, so let me take you back about seven years. One of my first meetings going in and sitting down with, in the room with David Bernard, you know. He wrote the book on writing books, right? He's got, <laughs> you go in, you sit down there, and I'm sitting at the room of all these leaders. I'm the young guy in the room. I think I'm going to bring something powerful to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like a fly on the wall. I'm just sitting there. And... Uh, I had to sit in a meeting, and here's Jerry Jones. Everybody remember Jerry Jones? Maybe you know him. Uh, Scott Graham says he's the silver tongue of Pentecost. He's a great preacher, one of my favorites through the years. He can shape narrative. Those that were here at Sister Mooney's funeral, you heard what a beautiful, I mean, he is the silver tongue, really, of Pentecost. And so we're sitting in the room, and we get to a point, and Brother Jones looks at me and says, what are your thoughts? Like right now at this moment? Because <laughs> if I would have said what my thoughts were, my thoughts were, I do not belong. <laughs> the truth is, I, uh, I don't know, I said some little statement. I don't remember what it was. It was probably not good. And, and uh, 
And Brother Jones said something to the effect of, we need to take that into consideration. You know what he was doing? He was just validating me. He was, just, he was encouraging, that's right. He was remembering that he used to be in the same role. He himself was the general youth president, and he was remembering. And one of the hardest things about being effective at evangelism is if we forget where we were or could have been. We forget about it. Okay. Now, um, we're not going to get very far today. I just want to talk about one thing on making connection. And we're, so we're going to do these like Saturday snapshots, maybe is what we'll call these, Saturday snapshots of evangelism. Um, so before we get to that one thing, though, we're having a tremendous amount of visitors just show up right now. I know people are inviting them, but we're already. I, I've had meetings with community leaders. Uh, I've got more set up. We're seeing things happen. I met with Katie. I want you to pray for Katie from the Pinex. Uh, she manages this over here. And Brad, I've got a meeting with Brad in the first week of September. He's over the, some of the Millhouse properties, and, and we're seeing good things happen. Uh, Brother Lopez, they're going to let us, actually, they're going to let us put uh, our church information in the Pinex properties and maybe throughout some of the millhouse around the area. They're going to let us put our stuff in. That's, that's exciting. I said, I said, here's our promise to you. It'll look first class. It won't be intrusive. It'll be an outlet for people. I said, this has been a day of mental health being bombarded, and we want people to know that there is an answer. There is an outlet. We said, we, said, we want to be your neighbors. I was able to look at Katie in a meeting upstairs the other day with Brother Dan Houck and tell her, we've been praying for y'all. We're praying for you. I said, I can't tell you how many times I've stood on this time on this side of our building and just prayed over you and prayed over the apartments over there. And, and she was so encouraged uh, just to talk. She said, I'd never been in here. I can't believe how beautiful it is. And, and so just the exposure, you know, to the, from the outside, they don't recognize what a sanctuary we have, what a, and, and so I'm excited about that. But so people are coming. That was my point. Tell me about ways that, that we're not even going to get into. We're starting to work. We're going to get into all of this. So this is it today on how we make connections and things like that. Um, tell me some of the ways, though, that maybe we should not speak to a visitor. This is good, not. Okay? I'm going to break a... I'm going to break a Really aged tradition, okay? I'm the pastor of the church. I never, ever, ever introduce myself to a visitor as brother anybody. Okay? I all, they don't get it. You're right. I always invite, or I always, if I'm introducing myself or I'm meeting somebody, and I'm, typically they won't unless they're an extreme extrovert, so I go out of the way, not overwhelming, not like, hey, you know, but, but I just kind of, I'm I, try to, I try to break down that barrier earlier. I'm saying, hey, how are you? I'm Josh Carson. What's your name? And I'm asking their name. I say my full name because I'm hoping they'll say theirs because there's a million Katie's, but maybe there's only one Katie Frymeyer or Katie Stevenson or, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm trying to get full name and I'm giving them full the reason I say my full name and my first name is because I'm trying to make relational connection. Okay? Somebody said, well, what if they call you Josh? What if we, what if we spend every day calling God by his first name? 
He doesn't get offended. Okay. Now, do we do we teach respect in a in a in a culture where respect is gone? We better. That's why my if one of my kids ran up and said, "Hey, Juan," oh, we'd have a moment later. Probably not much later. Why? Because we do believe in respect and protocol. We do believe in teaching. We do believe in brother and sister once you're enveloped into the body and once you begin to understand. I believe in the principles of brother and sister. I think I can prove it biblically why it is important and why it does work. However, I do also understand that some people have turned our terminology into idols. Okay? We can't do that. So what are some other things we maybe we don't do? Or Okay, I can tell for some of you maybe that's a little... What are some things we do in service, normal service, that might weird out a visitor? Dancing. Okay, thank you. Even lifting hands. What about when we set Indian style in the circle? Oh, wait, that's not us. Anybody else? Anybody else? You ever think about the lyrics to some of our songs? <laughs> what about when, like, we speak, yeah, send the whole, the whole worship singing about blood? Okay. Now the average visitor can kind of depict and figure out and work through. That's where we hope and we pray and we fast that the Spirit of God is being felt. But I will tell you, here's why, where we're going to go over the series of these sessions, what I'm about to say is so critical. I believe that the altar call starts in the parking lot. I really do or if they're walking over from an apartment, or they're walking over. I believe the altar call begins in the parking lot, and it starts with these words, relational connection. Relational connection. I've taught it for years. I've taught it at seminars. I've taught it to students. I've taught it to churches. I'm going to teach it here. It's what I live by. It's what I believe in. The average person You'll hear it enough times you'll get annoyed or you'll be teaching others. Maybe you won't get annoyed, you'll just teach other people. The average person walks across a relational bridge to a spiritual encounter. That's important for you to note. It, the average person walks across a relational bridge. Somebody say, well, I'm not really a good soul winner. I always ask, how many good relationships do you have outside your immediate family? If we're not careful, we get so busy that all we do is till and harvest the same field over and over we get frustrated that the stuff doesn't grow and it's because we don't give time for maturation while we work around in other parts of the field we want that seed to grow overnight remember when you planted that little thing in the styrofoam cup as a kid and you'd walk in the next morning like nothing's happened but it took months it took long enough that you forgot about it until one day you had stopped checking it and all of a sudden someone else does and you walk over and there's growth Sometimes it takes seed a long time to sprout, a long time to grow. So relational connection. So here we are, lesson number one. What I want to talk about is, is um, what I believe is the introductory. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about prayer, okay? We're not talking about being in the Word. We're not talking, you're just a Christian, that's what you do, <laughs> okay? You're just a Christian, that's what you do. Pray that people would lead. Like Billy coming and chasing me down, yeah, I pray for stuff like that. Uh, you know, Ryan, I was excited. Billy, come chase me down. Hey, that's awesome. I'm going to talk to him. That's, maybe that's the one God sent me to, for me to tell him, hey, you need to come check out the church again. Okay? Talk to him about it. 
but I'm looking for a common ground for relational connection. This is my first thing. I'm trying to find some way to break the ice. I did it with you this morning. Did you rec- Do you know that I did it? What, I did, what did I do? And now listen, I didn't think of this point, but this is what I did. What did I do out in the parking lot? Everybody hear that? Stand up real, uh, I don't want to embarrass you, but stand up real loud. Tell everybody what I said. He said, I like your white hoodies. And he said, I almost wore mine this morning, so we could have been like twins. <laughs> yeah. He had on a white hoodie. And I stood in my closet this morning, and there was a white P7 hoodie. And, and I thought, man, it might be a little chilly out uh, this morning. And I almost grabbed, as soon as I saw him, this is just a natural principle for me that's been developed over the years. I'm looking for common ground. It is the most, I I mean, honestly, I feel as odd as that is, I can almost, Brother Watkins, find common ground with anybody. Almost. Almost. Um, I looked. When I said to Brother Watkins, I couldn't help myself, but I went, I kind of gave the up and down to figure out where it would be coming from, and I saw his shoes. That's where I would play. Off Brother Watkins, that's where I would play. If If I was going there, that's where I'd play. If I was Coming here, I talked about basketball the other night because I got to watch you play basketball, and I'm still kind of offended at how good you were. I, you know, it's, it's easy. It's, it's simple. A lot of times it's an article of clothing. It's the color of hair. It's the gesture. It's the way that a person smiles. You can't be creepy with some stuff, though, okay? You know, usually relational ground is not something like, I really like your eyes. You know, you got to be... You gotta, all right, everybody understand what I'm saying? You know, then people are like, well, you're a creep. I'm leaving, okay? Uh, finding, yeah, yeah, find common ground, okay? For these Saturdays, I want to give, give some homework assignments. I want to give the opportunity for you to practice. You will find, I promise you this, if you started utilizing common ground principle, this common ground for relational connection, Common ground, it doesn't matter. This is not based on skin color. This is not based on social status. This is not, it really isn't. It's easier at times if I, as a Caucasian, walk up to another Caucasian that looks exactly like me. Sure, that, I, I might could say, hey, that's an easier way for, it's really, it's maybe a little easier, but it doesn't have to be, it's not based on ethnicity or skin color or even background to find common ground. Now listen, here's the one thing though. I'm not trying to find common ground just so that I can hook them. It has to become a part of who we are. Like we're interested in conversation. Yeah, that's right. It's the word genuine. That's it. Okay? I'm a hunter. I like to be outdoors. I have tons of camo. That's an easy win for me. My sister right here in the middle looks so you look so much like a friend of ours from Kansas City. It's an easy, easy conversation intro. North Face, I love North Face products. So it, I, if I look around, it takes no time, almost no time to look. Here's, here's my, uh, maybe my, my homework for you on common ground. Start with your family. Start, practice, make them your guinea pigs. It really is good, Okay. Find the, the little ways of having common ground conversations. Starting to converse based on common ground. 
Okay, Brother Armado, I don't, and I don't know, maybe my mind works different. Brother Armado's mask looks like, just like a welder's hat that my dad used to wear. My dad, we grew up, my dad was a welder. Brother Armado and I talk a lot, so it's easy. But I looked at you, Brother Armado, I didn't think of this until just now, but I looked up and that, that reminded me of my dad. Brother Armado, being a male, being a hard worker, and someone who is older than myself is in a state of his life where I know that he likes to reflect. Now, we've talked enough, I know that, but before we ever did, our conversations naturally went towards reflection, okay? My common ground, it would be easy to say, that mask you have on took me down memory lane just now. My dad, and what I've done, I can within two lines disarm him. And he's ready to engage because he, know I, he knows that I went down memory lane and most, most people that are especially beyond the age of 50 but get into their 60s and beyond, they love the nostalgia of, of memory lane. They're interested. You know what else they're interested in? Younger generation that will actually take the time to talk. They don't have to be your same peer demographic. They don't have to be your same age. No, they don't. So common ground. Who has questions on what that means on common ground or, or if you need more examples? Does this make sense? This is how it happens. Sometimes we go out to reach the world, and the truth is I think we need to go out to try to have a conversation. It's really what Jesus did. You know how Je- Do you know that Jesus was the absolute master of common ground? He really was. Go back through and reread parables. Almost all of his parables dealt with things that were happening in the environment around them. So that no matter who he talked to, whether they were fishermen, tax collector, it didn't matter. He'd be talking, and all of a sudden, the king of heaven, it's, it's like a net. It's only familiar to us because we know it. We've read it so many times. We've heard it so many times. But to him, it was the culture of the day. It's like a treasure Hid in, a, hid in a field. In a day where an entire community of people, I, I talked about it again the other day, but whole, there were people that did not, I talked Wednesday nights when I talked about it, it was stewardship, people that did not believe in banking system or turning it into usury, they did not. They would, in fact, bury it. It was their model of keeping their finances. And they would bury, and, and so he would use it. There, a sower. A sower went out to sow. And if you think through it, you see the parable unfolding. And like in the distance of your mind, you, you see a guy standing out in a field. And across the, you know, cascading sunset, you see a guy and he's casting seed. And, and Jesus is, what's he doing? Common ground. He's just finding common ground. If you can find common ground with someone, because one of the great one of the great excuses I've heard from people over the years on why they don't want to come to church, maybe more than any other excuse I've ever gotten, is the hypocrisy of the church, which when they, when they drilled down on that and talked to me, it really was one person that hurt them, acting like they were so far above them. What common ground does from the beginning It deflates you and brings you down. Brings you down. That's why people, I've had some people like, don't you know as pastor you're supposed to walk out uh, on the 
platform and, and, and do, and I'm all for that, but I'm, I, and I will sometimes, but sometimes you're going to see me and I'm just like standing over in a random aisle having a conversation. Oh, that's so out of protocol. No, it's not. I am really nervous to be a shepherd that doesn't smell like sheep. I don't believe in it. I can't do it. I won't know how to do it. Okay? There is something for discernment, and I want to have discernment. And, and I, I feel like God helps me with that. And I want to know what, and I want to know how to preach. But I have found there are some, some things I don't have to guess about. Like if I just have a conversation, it's okay to, to call you and tell you I've been praying for you because you told me you needed prayer. Some people think, well, God's got to talk to them and I don't want to bother them. And it's okay to actually give. How many believe it's okay to give a prayer request? It's okay to inform people. You ever remember being, a, being younger and you were praying and you're like, God, if it's really your will, then you'll send them across the platform. You'll send them to this back corner where I'm hiding. They'll lay hands on my left ear and speak into my right ear. You have all these things for God, all these fleeces, right? All these things. You can just have human conversation, normal dialogue. Any questions on common ground? That's our snapshot for today. Common ground, finding common ground. I'll tell you a fun way to do it in this. Okay, I got to stay away from the teacher mode. The teacher mode in me wants you to get a stack of post-its and start drilling with common ground, okay? Shoes, shirt, belt, eyes, cross through eyes, cross through eyes, okay, okay. Uh, sometimes it's shade of hair. Sometimes it's based. Mothers, mothers are spectacular on things like, you remind me so much of my, it's great. Because they don't know whether, I mean, be honest, but almost anybody can rec- remind you, you know. You're finding common ground, you're talking, you're disarming you're disarming the conversation, okay? You're not walking up to them talking in tongues. You're not, unless you've got the interpretation, okay? Make sure that you're finding that common ground. Any questions about that? Does it make sense? Make perfect sense? Anybody, is anybody with me willing to admit sometimes we don't take the simple way, sometimes we don't, sometimes we don't, it's like, I'm trying to make this big, magnificent. I'm going to reach the world. <laughs> I've heard this for years, man, in conferences and, and camp meetings. And somebody gets up and he jumps on the pew. It's time to turn the world upside down. And I'm like, I'm like, maybe talk to your next door neighbor. <laughs> and I don't mean that ugly. I don't mean that condescending. I'm just, if we're not careful, we clap for cliches and we miss opportunities. I believe in all that. We need to preach it. We need to reach it. We need to teach. But it starts with common ground. Amen? Amen. Brother Lopez, makes sense? Okay. How do I find, do I need to know your history to find common ground with you? Absolutely not. If I walked up to you, it'd be just like last night walking out of Chewy's, which is God's will, about once a week. (laughs) My wife told me. Uh, I walked up to a young family, walking past. I didn't walk up to I was walking past. And brand new young family, Noblesville, precious little baby girl, Brother Tipsword, sitting there, two weeks old. She was beautiful, beautiful little girl sitting there. 
And I couldn't walk, I didn't know them from Adam. I didn't have to know them at all to start a conversation. How did I start it? You know how I disarmed them? She is beautiful. How old is she? Well, that's the most precious commodity in the world they have. Me complimenting her, okay? It was a natural. He engaged in conversation. Oh, she's, she's too. How many do you guys have? This is how the conversation. How many kids do you have? You have the two? I saw the little boy and the little girl. He said, yeah, just these two for now. Man, this is amazing. I got four. They're all getting, they're all getting older. I think back. It's, it's amazing this time. Take, man, soak this. This guy is disarmed. Why? I'm a dad. He's a dad. That was our common ground. I'm a dad. He's a dad. Common ground. A guy would have told... He would have opened up and told almost it became that immediate, that instance. It's a beautiful thing. I do believe that if you pray and if you fast, God can set those moments up easier. As long as we keep at the root of them, it's not for our glory. It's for God's glory anyway. Trying to make that. Now, finding, finding common ground, and I'm going to stop with this. Finding common ground does not mean all of a sudden they're going to show up. It doesn't. You've got to be a consistent you got to work, but you will find the more common ground you find, the easier it is to get your footing. Amen? Question, yeah. Do you invite at every single I don't. I don't. I don't invite at every, no, I don't invite at every single instance, and I'm sorry. Um, If if for some people that would be weird. What do you mean? You don't invite every time? No, because I'm actually not called to invite to church. I'm actually called by God to share my testimony. Um, if we can confuse and we're going to get here but we can confuse church with salvation mm-hmm. um, and it's not I meant to share my testimony hope that I can make a connection if I ever make a connection that's so good um, that we're even exchanging numbers and trying to set up to meet for coffee or to meet uh, play around to golf or something like this and, and you, that's another way of finding common ground we'll, we'll get down when we start talking about better relational connections and, and the diving in for actually setting things up, um, then I'm exchanging that. It's normal, very, very normal for me to say where I attend church, what I do. Hey, if you, if you come, I, I use this line constantly. When you come to Calvary Tabernacle, you tell them you talk to the pastor, they're going to bring you right to me. They know I want to talk to you. I want to see you. You be my personal guest. I use that one a ton. Be my personal guest. They don't know that that means just be a guest. <laughs> but for me, it's a special thing. You know what I'm saying? And so, no, not every time I don't. I, I, I don't. Last night, I didn't. I just made a relational connection. I just had a good conversation. There's so much negativity in the world. <laughs> it's a tremendous question. Anything else? Any others? Anybody have a really good Saturday plan? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Witness to someone. Um, so you can also kind of feel in your spirit sometimes when you meet certain people, you know. And then sometimes it's like he wants you to say something and then he doesn't want he's doing the work through you, you know, and then so like I you know, praying, Lord help me to meet whoever I meet today, I wanna to meet someone that's hungry. Mm-hmm. So every time I meet a person I'm, in my mind I'm going, 
is that the one Lord, or is this the one Lord? Is sure, sure. Just, just trying to have a relationship with them. I've noticed that in order to bring people to church on a constant basis, is you have to reach out with texting, calling. Um, you have to have that relationship with that person, um, and even maybe even take them to church. Oh yeah, yep. When, when we get to the, when, when, and that's some of the snapshot stuff, when we talk about the actual retention, we talk a lot about outreach. We talk very little about retention. <laughs> they're married. <laughs> they stay together. You know, they're like the couple that stays together. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. Sometimes she tells you take out the trash and you want to keep going. It's a choice. Come on. Okay. It's the same thing with new, it is. It's the texting, it's the calling, it's the connecting, it's the, it's the giving them a ride. It is, and we're going to get into some of that stuff. In the, so here's my homework. Any, any other questions? Post-it notes, common ground. Post-it notes, common ground. Practice on your family. If you could next Saturday bring in a cool story of common ground, how easy it was, I'd love to hear a handful of testimonies of like, I ran into the girl in the produce aisle, and I was like, I like lemons too. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, you're going to find that when you try to do it, sometimes people are like, okay, you know, you won't always hit a home run. The more you do, the more you do it, the easier that it gets. I tried to, I tried to have that with a hat one time and I, I tried to find common ground with the guy about a hat and he's like, a lot of people have this hat. And I was like, you have a good day. You know, it was fail. I crashed and burned. It was miserable. So, and be Okay. Remember, it's not your ego on the line. That is the hardest thing. It's not your ego on the line. We talk about how I'm crucified with Christ. But then we're scared about getting our ego bruised. Okay? God, thanks for this time together. Thank you for these amazing people. They came to pray, came to pray over these neighborhoods, came to talk, have a snapshot on evangelism here. Um, I pray that you would open up these opportunities, these doors, whether it be with our families, extended families, uh, or just the neighbors around us. Maybe it's going to be the person in the cubicle across from us between now and next Saturday. Maybe it's going to be the person that is uh, uh, at the school where we drop our kids off or maybe where we ourselves even are are working or a part of it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a job site. God, you know. You're going to give us opportunities, and I pray that you'd help us to be effective and find common ground in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody say amen.